It is a difficult week to preach Holy Spirit and life and breath, but I believe it's an important week to talk about Holy Spirit, Pentecost, and life and breath. It is especially important to me that faithful people focus informed attention on the movement of the Holy Spirit. Hear these words from the second chapter of Acts, the first 12 verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lutheran pastor Judy Kincaid tells a story about teaching her son's three-year-old Sunday school class on the topic of Pentecost many, many years ago. She told the three-year-olds this story. The disciples were all together in one place, and a sound like a rush of wind filled that place. Tongues of fire rested on each person's head. They spoke different languages, and the Holy Spirit made it so they could all understand one another this is Pentecost, she said to them. It's the birthday of the church. Knowing that children learn best uh, when there's an object lesson and that they like sweet things, she brought a birthday cake to class. She lit the candles on the cake and the whole class sang happy birthday to the church. She considered it a good lesson. But later that afternoon, one of the parents, Lionel's mom, called her and asked, what in the world happened today in Sunday school? Judy recounted the lesson to Lionel's mom on Pentecost, and then Lionel's mom said, oh, I suppose that makes sense. Pentecost sounds a lot like Santa Claus. Lionel has been very upset this afternoon because Santa Claus is going to come to church on his birthday and light everyone's head on fire. Ooh, maybe not a good lesson. Certainly not a good learning. We try not to make children's Sunday school scary. 
And it's probably also not a good idea to teach that Pentecost is a birthday party for the church because birthday parties more often than not are focused on the past instead of the future. Many years ago in our own family, we gathered the extended family for a birthday party dinner for my husband, Keith. There were probably 15 or 20 of us there. We circled the children and adults up to pray before eating and Someone whom you know began to pray, we thank you, God, for this, the last year of Keith's life, to which Keith spontaneously and immediately questioned out loud, this is the last year of my life? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're grateful for the last one year or the last many years at a birthday party. Birthdays are more often than not about the past, about what's behind us. And this is not the story of Pentecost. Pentecost is a story of potential. It is a story of promise. It is an image of who we can be as the body of Christ. The word Pentecost literally means the 50th day. And in the first century, Jews who were scattered all over the known world returned to Jerusalem on the 50th day after Passover to celebrate a feast, a festival called Shavuot. Shavuot celebrates a harvest and it celebrates the giving of the Torah. It is a celebration of God's goodness, certainly past goodness, present goodness, but also the goodness that is to come. I recently heard Catholic priest Father Ron Rollheiser teach that God is good, one, true, and beautiful. Four qualities of God. Good, one, true, and beautiful. So that when we see or experience these things in the world, oneness or unity, truth, goodness or beauty, when we experience these things, our heart sings because this is what we've come from, and this is to whom we will return. God is good and true and beautiful and one. I had a seminary professor named Dr. Bill Mallard, who when he taught on Acts chapter 2, held it up to the light of the Tower of Babel story in Genesis 11 in order to see Acts chapter 2 a little more clearly. The Tower of Babel story is a story of oneness. It's a story of unity, but it's forced unity. It's empire. There's a good chance that the story in Genesis 11 is making fun of the Babylonian empire. Even in English, you can hear the play on words. Babel sounds a lot like Babylonia. And there's a geographical sighting that is the exact right place for the empire. And there's a reference to the way that the Babylonians built with brick and cement. The people are all together in one place, and they're speaking the same language, and this might at first glance look like unity, but it's forced unity. It is centralized sameness. It's just uniformity. It's control. The tower building leaders talk in Genesis 11, 
Actually, the first half of the story is about the fact that they talk and exactly what they say. It's just talk, talk, talk. You see, in Genesis 11, people speak, but they don't listen. God speaks in Genesis 11, but no one hears. I imagine a sound like the rush of a violent wind around that building project, but no one notices. The builders simply hold on to their hats with a tight grip, and they swat away the pesky flames above their heads. God speaks in this story. God is present on the plain of Shinar, but no one pays any attention. Acts chapter 2 is significantly different. Bill Mallard, my Christian history professor, taught, The miracle of Pentecost is not a miracle of speaking. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle of listening. It's a miracle of understanding. The devout Jews from every nation under heaven, verse 5 of Acts 2 says, were in Jerusalem for the feast of Shavuot. It is the devout Jews from every nation under heaven who hear the Galileans speaking. And the Galileans, the disciples, are basically good old country boys from the countryside north of Jerusalem. And out of their mouths, out of their mouths seems to come all the languages of the known world. I imagine that those words are spoken with a slight West Texas drawl, but that's just me. Rabbi Abraham Heschel was one of the leading Jewish theologians and philosophers of the 20th century, and he wrote that for the Hebrew, for the Hebrew life and identity is in this, I listen, therefore I am. I listen, therefore I am, not I think or I doubt or I speak, but I listen, therefore I am. And this is an important part of our faith heritage heritage that Acts chapter 2 wants us to claim. I listen, therefore I am. The people that Peter calls my fellow Israelites, they are listening. They're listening for God, and they hear God. And I suspect the disciples, the Galileans, learned on that day that the Holy Spirit refuses to be confined to any one people. We can see Christ in any neighbor, And it's especially important to note this Pentecost that those neighbors who seem to be significantly different, well, they may just be the place, the most important place where we can witness the movement and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Barriers between us that appear to be considerable like culture or age or language In an empire, they are insurmountable, but with the presence of the Holy Spirit, these barriers are flimsy. These barriers are phony with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Last summer, last summer I had the opportunity to travel with the New Zion Youth Choir as a mentor or a chaperone. Really, I was just a witness. My very favorite day, the day that I took the most pictures on the trip, was the day that the choir sang in four different nursing homes. The group sang beautifully in each facility as the residents politely listened. 
The best part, though, was when the choir members, when the youth would leave the front of the room to go out into the audience to sit and to visit with residents. No doubt in each of the four locations, there was a noticeable, awkward, emotional obstacle in the way. The challenge of connecting with a stranger whose age is decades away from your own. But at each of our stops, at each of our stops without fail, the conversation lull would work into a buzz. And I swear at each place I saw flames above each head and I heard the sound of the wind. At times in my own life, I too have been the grateful recipient of followers of Christ bridging unfamiliarity and alienation to bring me deeper understanding. It's a hall of fame that resides in my memory, pictures of these people who sacrificed their own dignity and risked awkwardness to bring me clarity and understanding of a larger, more beautiful world. It's not an easy time to find connection with people who don't live under our same roof. I believe it's the challenge of Pentecost 2020 to collide peacefully with one another, to be attentive to understanding each other. We have to take risks. We have to seek out that understanding, whether it's through overdue phone calls, socially awkward Zoom conferences with people we don't know, or even becoming a pen pal or a reading buddy with Project Transformation. These are all places where the wind and the flame are waiting to birth the church. Church, I am thankful for this, the last year of your life. But I also look forward I look forward to the new places where the Holy Spirit will be heard and seen. And I hope you'll join me. I hope you'll join me as we take risks together that honor the one true, good, and beautiful God. Pray with me. Most gracious and merciful God, you provide life, breath, energy, inspiration to all of your people and to all of your world. As a church, we are not afraid of death. You offer us a story that doesn't end. You resurrect and you bring new life. So would you empower us to take risks, risks that bridge divides and bring understanding? We want to be miracle people. We want to be those who listen for the rush of the wind and those who look for the light of the flame. We seek the comfort of the Holy Spirit, your Lord and Savior, your Son, our Lord and Savior sends. Send the Holy Spirit. Amen.